Welcome to Speaking of Partnership, the show that brings you the personal partnership stories of experts from all walks of life so you can turn their stumbling blocks into stepping stones to healthy, long-lasting partnerships. I'm your host, Ken Bechtel. You know that the partnership game is not easy, but it's so worth it. If you're struggling with attracting or maintaining partnerships, go to speakingofpartnership.com right now, click on the big red button, and attend a free webinar on the secret to starting your ideal partnership today. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. I'm excited to bring you today's featured guest, Michelle Marchant-Johnson. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ken. I'm so happy to be here and welcome to all of you. See, I'm so excited I can't even speak straight. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if anybody listening isn't familiar with with Michelle's work, Michelle Marchant-Johnson is a relationship coach. She's also a speaker and an author. In her business, which is called Loving, I'm sorry, it's called LoveLifeCoaching.com, she specializes in helping women learn how to express their feminine joy, energy, and presence, and how to invite interaction, attraction, and commitment from a man. Her articles have been featured on many internet sites, and she was recognized by DatingAdvice.com as one of the top 10 midlife relationship experts. She's currently writing a book entitled Meet Him and Keep Him. She is the host of Ready for the Right Guy Global Telesummit and co-creator of a proprietary system for single women called How to Meet a Great Guy. Michelle is also an advanced stage breast cancer survivor who believes life is precious and is meant to be lived with purpose, love, and joy. Michelle, take a minute and fill in any blanks from that intro and, and give us a glimpse into your personal life if you would. Yeah, thank you so much, Ken, for the kind introduction, and I'm so happy to be with you, and I really love what you're up to here, because this idea of creating partnerships in our lives is so incredibly powerful. So for me, I found that I did not have a smooth or easy journey to finding my loving partnership with my now husband, which I've now enjoyed for almost 10 years. I became an ecstatic first-time bride at age 43 after a long and winding road to love. And for me, there were many things that I had to learn or discover about myself that were actually preventing me from being able to fully be ready to give and receive love. And it was only through some really deep transformational work that I was able to see some of the ways that I had been self-sabotaging myself through thoughts or behaviors without even realizing it. So even though I felt very successful in other areas of my life, there was a block in this area of my life. And I found it very frustrating and heartbreaking and even painful for many many years. So underneath all of that, though, is that through some very deep self-work and self-discovery and some opportunities that I took uh, for my own transformation, I put myself on more or less a self-imposed journey, I was able to make some breakthroughs that have opened up a whole new set of possibilities for me in the realm of partnership and relationships and have now enjoyed an amazing marriage with my husband for almost 10 years. And the reason I'm sharing all of this with you is that Ken and I were speaking before and many of us that do this kind of work come into this kind of work through 
our own life experience and the things that we've discovered and then our desire to help others to perhaps walk that path of partnership a little more smoothly with a little with fewer detours than perhaps we have made and that's really where i'm coming from in the work that i do in the world and i feel really honored and blessed to be a part of what i consider to be a really important body of work that's out there now so i'm really honored to be here with you well thank you so much and i appreciate you filling in some more details about your your life and your path to this point and and where i'd like to start with our show today is is I find it very helpful to have what I call a guiding principle. And some people it shows up as a quote or a mantra, but it's something that you kind of can come back to whenever you, you get kind of off the path. And I'm wondering, what do you use as a guiding principle and, and how could our listeners apply that in their lives? Thank you, Ken. Yeah, I'm going to share a guiding principle. And when I share it, and it's in the form of a quote, it's one of my very favorite quotes and I use it all the time because I found that I had some blocks to love. I use it all the time in my work with single women, but I I think it also applies even once we're dating someone or in partnership with someone, and I'll explain that a little more in a second. So the quote is by the poet Rumi. Most of you have probably heard it before. If you've heard me speak before, you've likely heard me share this quote, but I think it's so powerful. And it is, your task is not to seek for love but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. So one of the things that I find is that we can go through our lives subconsciously unaware, I mean, consciously unaware of what might be going on in, in some of our patterns or our thoughts and some of the blocks or barriers that we can build to being fully open and receptive to love. So for example, we might get hurt and so we develop hurt, we develop a fear of being hurt again. And so we build barriers around our heart to protect ourselves, so we think. But in reality, that oftentimes can keep us isolated. And so I often talk about fear being one of the big blocks that can create barriers. And even once we get into partnership or we start to get to know someone, these barriers can show up in a variety of ways. We're afraid to really show ourselves fully or authentically to our partners, or we have a fear that if our partners really understood some of our human weaknesses or vulnerabilities or whatever, we might be unlovable. And so we build these barriers around our heart, around ourselves without even realizing it in many cases. And what we think is protecting us are oftentimes the things that are keeping us from being able to be fully expressed in a loving relationship and to fully enjoy partnership. And so what I find in working with single women so often is that one of the first things that we have to do before we create opportunity for them to meet uh, the right man is we have to address what might be going on and some of the barriers that they have uh, in many cases unknowingly built around their hearts to protect themselves from being hurt or disappointed and break through some of those things. And sometimes it's before they can find uh, the kind of relationship they're looking for. And sometimes it's as simple as just recognizing and discovering what's there. Sometimes that can be the beginning or even a big part of the actual breakthrough. 
So one of the questions I often ask my clients, and this is a question you can ask yourself if you're not experiencing what you want in partnership, is what do you think could be slowing you down, standing in the way, or stopping you from having the relationship of your dreams? And continue to answer that question until you don't come up with any answers. And the point here is not to beat yourself up, but to just look at these things from a place of curiosity and observation and say, wow, isn't that interesting that that's there? And by answering this question until you don't come up with anything else, you're often able to discover some deeper things than you might be aware of on the conscious level. That's great. No, I, I love that little exercise. And it, uh, certainly something I, I could benefit from, and I think everyone can, no matter where you are in your partnerships, is get clearer on what things might be in your way. Because sometimes we're in a partnership but we're still restricting certain parts of it. We're not letting ourselves fully into a partnership. So I love that exercise. Thank you, Michelle. You're welcome. Well, one of the things that uh, our, our listeners love about this particular show is our guests are incredibly generous with their stories of their personal experiences of partnership. And what I'd love to do right now is just dive right in. And, and if you would take us to a time in your life when you kind of, well, yes, you tripped up. You made you made some mistakes in your partnership. And, and tell us what was going on. What did you trip on? And then give us some insight into what you learned from that experience and how you were able to, to move forward. Yeah, thank you, Ken. I love this question. And I could think of quite a few times I tripped up. <laughs> I used to... I used to joke around and say that I was going to write a book called Dating for Decades, chronicling all of my dating experiences. And the truth is that not only on my way to partnership, but also in partnership, it's been a big learning curve for me. And sometimes I say I've shot myself in the foot so many times that it's a wonder I can walk. But I have learned and grown so much in this area, and it's something I'm really passionate about continuing to grow in. And one of the things that I think, just as a preface to a, a brief example story of what you're talking about, one of the things that I've really come to understand deeply is that we all come into relationships with a certain number of expectations. And sometimes we're fully aware of them and sometimes they're more on a subconscious level, but they're still there and they're kind of like that if we compare it to a computer, it's kind of like the hard drive or the operating system. Things, it's really running the whole show, but we don't always recognize what's there. We don't really always recognize what's going on. So one of the things that I noticed when I got married, and be, bear in mind, I got married for the first time at 43, was also a first marriage for my husband. So we had lived very independent lives for a long time. And we both had our own little ways of doing things and ways of being. And for some reason, there were, while I was consciously aware of the idea that you can't just expect your partner to know what your expectations are, there were still times that I had that show up for me. So I can remember one time we had, we'd been married only for a, a year or so, and things had gotten dirtier in our house than I like. And of course, men and women may have different tolerance levels for this. But I got this bee in my bonnet and I started cleaning the house like a mad woman. And I was doing it in kind of an angry, frustrated way because I thought he should have been helping me more. 
he we shouldn't have let it get to this point. I was upset with him and I was upset with me. And so I was kind of like this mad woman cleaning through the house. And he was on his computer surfing the net, doing whatever he was doing in his man cave. And I was on this mad house cleaning venture. And I was expecting, this was my expectation, I was expecting that he would get the hint by seeing me on this mad house cleaning um, uh, mission and that he would come and join in. Well, he didn't come and join in. He just kept doing what he was doing. <laughs> and looking back on it, I could see where I, I wouldn't have wanted to approach me either because I was not only cleaning the house, but I was doing it in a way where I was being a little huffy. And he, I'm sure he had no idea whether this was directed at him or I was just upset the house was a mess. But what I learned from this was the importance of needing to express my wants and my needs in a way that my partner could hear it. And so what I have learned to understand is that my husband is actually very willing to help me in almost every case if I express my wants or my needs to him or even a preference to him in a way that he can respond. So if I would have said to him, honey, I am really feeling crazy because it feels like the house is not as clean as I want it to be. And it feels really important and urgent to me that we get it cleaned up now because it's, it's making me feel uncomfortable. And I'm wondering if you could um, help me for a couple of hours on the house and we would have divided up tasks and he would have done it. It might not have been his favorite thing to do on a Saturday, but we both would have gotten what we had needed. But instead I cleaned the house and the more I cleaned the matter I got at him and the poor man really didn't even know what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> I created my own personal drama. Yes. And, and I love that story because we so often do create our own personal dramas, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and I also really appreciate that you, you gave that example of, of a way that might have engaged him because when you can express to a man what the thing you're looking for will provide to you, he is motivated to provide it because we're providers. That's what we are. And so by nature, that gives him the opportunity to go, oh, well, of course I don't want you to be all you know, frenzied and uncomfortable in our own home. So yeah, let's let's work this out. Uh, so thank you for giving that that example of, you know, a way you could actually say it in a way that he's likely to hear and be able to take action. Yeah, and can I just add one thing to sure. that? I find the word because is a magic word in my communications. If I not only say, honey, this feels important to me, if I also add that because and I share why it feels important to me. There's something magical about him being able to hear it even more deeply and to respond to it more deeply. And yes, I think you're right, Ken. I think men do want to provide and they do want to make a woman happy if they really care about her and care about a relationship with her. But I really think with both men and women, this can happen, this piece of expectations and us just expecting our partner to know what we what we want and need in any given moment and then being upset with them when they don't appropriately respond like my husband didn't grab the vacuum right <laughs> and so in his mind he was probably thinking man i'm steering clear of her she's a mad woman cleaning the house <laughs> yeah no it's it's true and expectations always get in our way and i, I want to add something to your comment about because i love that when you add the because mm-hmm 
The caveat I would add is it, the because has to be to the point. Mm-hmm. If it's because, well, you remember that time I was talking to Sue and you go off on the story, you will lose right. him. Right. It's got to be because this will make me be happier. This will, you know, let me be the best mom I can be. Whatever that specific thing is, then he can he- hear it and he can do something about it. If you go off in the weeds with a big story, he's going to be lost and you'll right. lose him. Right. That's a really good caveat. Yes, we connect the dots for them in the most concise way. So for me, I think I could have just said, I'll feel a lot more peaceful and happy in our home. He would have got that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and for the ladies listening, the reason this is so impactful when you say something like, because I'll feel more peaceful and happy in our home. He now knows the price of not doing it. So the price of not doing it is her not feeling good, her not being peaceful, her not being happy. Mm-hmm. Nobody that cares about you has that goal for you. So by saying what's important to you and what it provides for you, it actually tells them the cost of not participating. And that's a big motivator. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. that's a big motivator. Yeah. Well, let's shift a little bit here what i want to do is ask you it's, it's similar but it's different in my mind at least and that is i'd love to hear a story michelle of just a time when you had i call it a duh moment one of those you know kind of wake up calls where you're like how did i miss this i i have no idea how i've not noticed this for so long and when you had that kind of wake up moment how did you turn it into a building block for future partnerships Yeah, so thank you for this question, and you're right. It's similar, but there's also some nuances here that I think we can bring out with this next example. So I'm going to share another story that doesn't shed the most flattering light on myself, but we learn from our experiences, right, and growing. And so I want to share kind of the negative experience, which I learned so much from, which has actually really empowered me in my relationship. So again... Like I said, I was used to being a very strong, independent kind of woman. And after my husband and I got married, one day on Christmas Day, we had a really big snowstorm. I live in Utah, get some pretty good snowstorms here. And it felt really important to me that we got the, sh- the snow shoveled out of our driveway and off of our walks and everything because it was Christmas Day. We were planning on going places the next day. And I didn't want us to have to shovel the snow the next day and for it to be in the way. And even though I was a strong, independent woman, I had in my mind, again, this is an expectation that this was a manly job and that he should be out there shoveling the snow. So a couple of times during this Christmas day, I asked him to go shovel the snow and he said, I will do it. I'll get it done today. Well, finally, it started to get dark. It's now Christmas night and he still hasn't shoveled the snow. So what did I do? I got on my boots and my coat and my gloves and my hat and I went out and started shoveling the snow. And again, I was doing this. I was thinking, well, he's not doing it. And I wasn't really mad at him. But I, as I shoveled the snow, I started to get mad at him. And I started to shovel the snow in an angry way. And I had I had probably shoveled about half the driveway before he realized that I had gone outside and started shoveling the snow. And he came out and he said to me, this is what he said to me. He said, are you completely trying to emasculate me? This is what he said to me. Wow. (laughs) And I, it kind of floored me in my tracks because in my 
in mind, in part, I was I was helping, but he had told me that he would do it, and it showed it showed him in his mind that I didn't trust him and believe him that when he said he was going to do it, that he would get it done. It just might not have been in the time frame that I thought it should be done in. And what I realized in that moment, and this was a big aha for me, is that it's not only what I do in my partnership, but it's also the intention underneath it and considering how that intention might come across to my partner, because I wasn't trying to emasculate him, but I, you know, he was upset with me when he came out because he felt like I hadn't trusted him. I hadn't believed him when he told me that he would do it and he did intend to do it. It just didn't happen in the time frame that I did. So one of the things that I learned was that it's really important for me to understand and communicate and be aware of what my intentions are, not just what my actions are, because my intention was, well, okay, he's not going to do it. So I'm just going to do it, him, do it myself. But, but the intention behind that was also to make him feel a little bit guilty if the truth is to be told. Right. Mm -hmm. And he felt that, and that felt hateful to him. And it really made me feel bad when I realized that. And so I asked for his forgiveness. I asked for his forgiveness because I felt like I needed it. And when he first came out, he had a shovel. I had a shovel. It looked like we were about to go blow to blow with the shovels. We would have never. <laughs> That's what it might have looked like to the neighbors. But in the end, we ended up hugging. And I and and I apologized to him and I asked for his forgiveness. And what I've realized is that. I, you know, I have to consider how my actions are going to impact him and what my intention is behind it. Because the truth is I wanted to make him feel a little bit guilty when it came right to the heart of the matter. So that was a big aha for me. And, you know, I believe that one of the ways that we can have amazing partnership is to consider deeply not only our words and our actions but also our intentions behind them because they can feel those intentions even if we don't recognize that they can feel them they can feel my husband could feel that i was in some sense trying to make him feel guilty yeah and that, that's a really important point because we think we have these little covert ways of doing things and that nobody's going to notice but the energy with which it's done is still palpable yes. and we pick up on that and we're like you said one thing but i can tell that's not what you were really saying right and that causes as much if not more uh pain and and you know conflict in a relationship than the actual words and actions yeah yeah i mean when he came out of the house and that's the only time he's ever said that to me in our entire married life when he came out of the house and said are you trying to emasculate me that wasn't my intention, but my intention truthfully was to try to guilt him and make him feel bad that he hadn't done what I asked him to do earlier. Mm -hmm. So there was not a loving intention behind what I was doing. Yes. And he felt that, and that's why he felt so hurt by what I was doing. It was really powerful to me. It was a really powerful lesson and a big aha. Yeah, and I think that's going to be powerful for everyone as we listen to this and think about it, because we, we can all recognize times in our own lives where we've been on one side or the other or maybe both sides at different times of that exact type of situation. Right. Yeah, thank you for that, Michelle. You're welcome. So I'm going to have a shift gears kind of 
turn the corner, if you will. And, and what I'd like you to share a story of right now is, I call it one of those proudest moments in partnership. And, and sometimes they're family, sometimes they're romantic or career. It doesn't really matter where it comes from. But the thing that always indicates that for me is when I think of a moment in partnership that, that when I think of it, I can't help but smile. What's one of those for you? Yeah, I'd like to share something really personal here uh, for this piece, Ken. And I would say one of my not only proudest, but one of my most poignant um, moments of partnership was when I was going through a breast cancer journey, which you mentioned. So I was diagnosed four years ago with stage three breast cancer, a very serious case, and it required everything that that entails, chemo, radiation, mastectomy, everything. And while I was going through that, I um, felt so not only ill, but I felt like I was losing all of my femininity because I lost my hair, I lost you know female body parts, I lost my eyebrows and eyelashes, they removed my ovaries. I mean, I felt like I was being stripped down to absolutely just the shell of the person that I am. And while that sounds like an incredibly painful and difficult thing, um, in addition to me wondering whether or not I was going to live, I had all of that going on. While that sounds like an incredibly difficult thing and I wouldn't really wish it on anyone, there were some really deep, profound gifts that came as a part of that experience. And what I found is that while I'd always been this very strong and independent woman, I was in a place where I really needed other people. Not only did I need my husband and his support, which he so lovingly and generously gave to me in just unspeakable ways, but I also needed support and help from other people in ways that I'd never even imagined that I would need it. And so people would, of course, not always know what to say or not always know what to do. But one of the things that I learned in this, in this experience was learning how to be in touch with my own needs and desires and learning how to express and ask for what I wanted in a, in a more powerful way. So for women, a lot of times, one of our challenges is that we can be overgiving. We can give to the point that we deplete ourselves. We don't always have the ability to ask for or receive what we want. So when people would ask me what I needed or what I wanted, I learned to be in touch with what I needed or wanted enough to ask for it. So for example, I had always been very independent and I was very comfortable with being by myself or being alone. But during that period of my life, I wanted to have people visit me when I wasn't so sick that I couldn't get out of bed. I wanted people to come visit me. I didn't want to face the day alone. I needed things to look forward to. So I would ask people to come visit me. I enrolled people in the idea that I wanted company and I wanted support and I wanted visitors because I didn't want to be alone in that time. And it was amazing how many people showed up for me in that way. And it was really a gift. And so I developed and deepened friendships during that period of time in a way, in ways that I could have never imagined. And it's hard to receive sometimes, but just like we were talking about how when a man is able to provide something that a woman values and appreciates, and he's able to get a sense of that, that's very satisfying to him. 
when we allow our wants and needs to be known and invite and and let people know what would support us it's amazing how often they'll choose to step up and do that and we're actually providing an opportunity for them as well and we can do the same for other people and i just think this is a really powerful principle in partnership is the the dance and the flow of learning how to give and to receive and to being in touch with your deepest wants and needs in partnership and learning how to express and ask for them and also being in tune with how to uh, give in the ways that are going to feel most meaningful and significant to your partner. This is a whole nother topic, but we all have our own love languages and we all have our own ways that feel most loving to us. And so do our partners, people that we're in partnership with. And I think it's just a really powerful principle. And that experience strengthens some of my abilities in that area in ways that I'd never um, experienced or had before. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing such a, a powerful and personal story. I really appreciate that vulnerability. And it speaks to so many, so many pieces of partnership because... One of my favorite lines that I, I picked up from Alison Armstrong is, what's your part in partnership? Mm-hmm. And so often we're focused on what the other person should be doing. Yeah. And, well, what if we were just, what if our, our whole role was just being clear about what we need? That's all we had to do. How yeah. would that change your partnership? Yeah. Yeah, and it's if like we talked about already, when you're really in partnership with someone, particularly an intimate partnership in a relationship with a husband or a wife or a committed relationship, and you're both really committed to that path of partnership, most of the time you do want to please each other, to be there for each other, and it's a flow of giving and receiving. And I think sometimes women miss how satisfying it is to their man to have whatever gifts they bring to the table graciously received and then to receive thanks and appreciation and admiration and respect from them. And like my husband, the story that I told about the snow shoveling, one of the things that my husband was so hurt by in that moment was that he didn't feel like I had trusted him that he was going to keep his word. And so that felt that felt hateful to him in that moment. And in truth, I was trying to guilt him. So there was that intention underneath what we're talking about. And he had planned to meet my needs. It just didn't happen in the exact time frame that I thought it should, right? Yep. There comes the expectation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, Michelle, we have arrived at the part of the show I call Bring It All Home. And this is where we step away from stories. And I ask you to provide some simple, concrete guidance for our listeners that they can apply directly to their relationships right away. And where I'd like to start is I'm curious what you would say is the the best or most powerful partnership or relationship advice that you've ever received. Yeah, I think one thing really comes to mind, and this goes along with our whole conversation today, It comes from Stephen R. Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which is often thought of more as a business book, but I think there's so much about business and all aspects of our lives that pertain to relationships, and that is the principle that is seek first to understand and then to be understood. 
if we were to do that in all of our relationships, I just think we could literally transform the world. Yeah, that's a big one. Thank you. So let me ask you this then. What, what would you say is a, a book or a resource that you would recommend to our listeners? And, and why this particular one? Because I'm sure you've you know, studied countless books and resources. Why does this particular one stand out? Yes, I love books. And in fact, a big part of my own personal journey was that I, when I turned 40 and realized that whatever I had been trying wasn't working in terms of my relationships, I put myself on this self-imposed journey to uncover what was slowing me down and creating blocks in that area of my life. And so one thing that I did is I read over 125 books in like 18 months. Wow. On love, dating, and relationships. So you're right, I do have a lot of favorites. But one that I recognize, and it's a, it's a bit of an older book, but one that I recognize that has been really valuable, not only in my own life, but in the lives of many of my clients, is called The Art and Practice of Loving. And it's by a man named Frank Andrews. And the reason I like it so much is, first of all, it's very digestible in that it's broken out into sections. And then within each sections are different practices and different exercises that you can do depending, and you can skip around in it, but so depending on whatever area that you might feel you might need some support in, he offers not only some great wisdom, but some really practical tools and exercises and resources that you can work with that I think can really open up a lot of the things that we're talking about today, helping you recognize your barriers to love, helping you be ready to recognize love and when you're being in a loving place, helping you to be more able to ask for your wants and needs and to be more in tune with them, helping you to be able to um, be in that flow of giving and receiving love, helping you to have boundaries around the things that you need to. There's just so many things and he covers a lot of ground in a concise way, but a really powerful way. So it's one that I really love and recommend often to my clients. That's great. That, I don't think anyone has recommended that book before, so I really appreciate you bringing that to our attention. Yeah, it's a it's a it's not a recent book, but it's a really powerful one, and I think you would really enjoy it. Thank you. So lastly, what I'd love to do, Michelle, is, is I'd like to ask you to leave our listeners with an example of, it's what I call the payoff of partnership. In other words, share with us a specific example of something you were able to, to do or to create or experience that was solely the result of being in partnership. It wouldn't have happened on your own. Yeah, the biggest thing that comes to mind is what I do for a living now is my business. So I spent over 20 plus years in some fairly high level jobs in corporate America. And I had this idea for about 10 years before I actually started my coaching practice that I wanted to do something like this and had even started making movement toward it in becoming certified as a coach and those kinds of things. But when I married my husband, I was in a fairly high level corporate position and making quite a bit of money. And my husband is what you might call uh, more of a left brain person. He's an attorney and a CPA. And so, you know, for him, he's not really what you would call the entrepreneurial type. <laughs> he he jokes and says he's the infopreneur and I'm the entrepreneur. And so 
I was afraid to tell him about how deep my desire was to do my coaching business and break away from corporate America and do something entrepreneurial. And so it took me quite a bit of time to get up the courage to really share my dream with him and to ask for his support in me making that transition because I knew at least for a period of time I wouldn't be making the amount of money that I was making in corporate America. And it took me a lot of time to get up the courage to do that. But when I did that, not only was he supportive, but he actually became like my most ardent supporter, fan, and even a partner. So he actually keeps the books for my business and, you know, make sure I stay on the safe side of things legally and all of those kind of things. And so he's been a huge asset to me in that regard. And I wouldn't have had the courage to make that leap from corporate America without the partnership. And I wouldn't have had the ability to make it through kind of the ups and downs of the initial startup phase and all of those kinds of things without having his support, not just financially, but his support and him believing in me and believing in my dream and wanting to support me in that. And it's been really, really powerful and a huge, huge gift in my life because I'm now able to do something that I'm really passionate about that's really um, heart-centered and that I believe is bringing a lot of value to the world. So as a result of him being there for me and being in partnership with me and also for me having the courage and the faith to take that leave to, sh to share my dream with him and how deeply I wanted to do it, it created this whole new possibility in my life. Very cool. Well, Michelle, I'm, I'm sure it's clear for everyone listening. I know it is for me that you, we barely scratch the surface of, of what you have to offer folks. And what I'd love for you to do is, could you share with us how our listeners can contact you and learn more about what you do? Yes, I'd love to. Thanks for that opportunity, Ken. Yes, if you just go to my website, lovelifecoaching.com. So it's about loving your life and also about your love life, lovelifecoaching.com. You can um, enter your name and email address and you can get seven principles for attracting your ideal partner. Also, um, you can also go into my main website and there are a lot of free resources, um, articles, interviews, tools, exercises, quizzes, and um, also a variety of ways to connect with me. So it's just lovelifecoaching.com. Fantastic. Well, Michelle... Your stories, your, your vulnerability, your honesty has been so incredible. I, I really want to thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity, Ken. It's been my privilege and so happy to partner with you today. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening to Speaking of Partnership. Head over to speakingofpartnership.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. Be sure you catch the bonus stories from our guests on Follow Your Yes Friday. It's easy to do. Just go to your favorite podcast directory, search for Speaking of Partnership, and click subscribe. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating and review on Stitcher or iTunes. The greatest compliment you can give the show is to refer us to someone else either in person or on the web. Have a great day. And remember, even when you stumble, you're still moving forward. Peace.